So James, it was a great interview today with Joey. I was really, you know, I've heard a lot about Boomtown lately, but um, yeah. you know, to actually sit down and talk with him about what they can do. I mean, I, I'm just astounded at the uh, at the at the breadth of um, of yeah. capabilities. Yeah, um, it is. And, I, th- I think kind of I think kind of big picture. It's like if you're struggling with integrated payments and the struggle is installation, you know, uh, you know, installation or support, mm-hmm. you can outsource that to Boomtown. They yeah. do it all, and they do it all for this industry specifically. Right. And they're incredibly good at it. If you're a large organization and you need the software that has all the, hey, here's what you do in this situation for Clover or whatever. Right. They that. So they've really just streamlined this and they've recognized this is a big problem in our industry is, you know, we're moving to integrated payments. I don't want to right. steal his thunder, but uh, fantastic conversation. Um, and then I followed that up by talking about opportunity cost. Which is a and, perfect segue to what we learned yes. from Boomtown. So. Yeah. so I kind of talk about when do you outsource? When do you hire somebody? Um, and just kind of talking about scaling the business and thinking about your time differently. Um, and then Patty, you had a very interesting uh, insider support today. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, Apple um, has created its own buy now, pay later. Um, you know, we take a, James and I take a little look at the buy now, pay later market and what Apple's en- entree into this market uh, means for us. Yeah, and I will say, uh, spoiler alert, It's I think it's good news for our industry. Yeah, so, I think so too. Yeah, so check that out. So great stuff we have for you today. Uh, of course, this episode sponsored by NMI. Go to nmi.com, sponsored by NMI. We'll talk more about that after the uh, interview, interview here, but let's jump in and talk to Joey. Let's go. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. Patty and I are here today with my friend, Joey Marzelli. And Joey is the co-founder and VP of business development for Boomtown. How are you doing today, Joey? Good, James. How are you doing? Nice to see you. Nice, nice to see, see you. you, Joey. So you, Patty. I have really been looking forward to this conversation, Joey, because uh, it's so interesting to me how many times I talk to an ICE or an agent and we're having a conversation about a struggle that they're having as we move towards integrated payments. And I'm like, why don't you work with Boomtown? And they're like, who's Boomtown? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, how do you not know who Boomtown is? So I'm really excited today. We're going to talk about integrated payments. We're going to talk about this shift that's happening in real time right now as ISOs and agents are trying to transition to integrated payments. There are these challenges that they are facing. And I think what you do, Joey, is like very specifically positioned to help with this transition. But before we dive into all that, give us a little bit of the backstory. How did you get into this crazy industry? How did you end up uh, co-founding Boomtown? And give us a little bit of the, the Boomtown story, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, thank you. Thank you, James and Patty, for having me. It's been, it's been a while. Um, absolutely love your podcast. I rec- recommend it to everyone, especially who's just getting into payments and, and struggling on the sales side or even an established company. You guys you guys do a great job with your content. Thank you. Um, so, a little bit about my history. So I graduated in 2010. Um, you know, I was at the University of Colorado Boulder. I came over to California and I was working for Groupon product office and Groupon was kind of peaking as a company and they were testing out payments. So I was going door to door in the Bay Area and I was selling Groupon payments, basically like payments on a cell phone. And through that experience, um, I was getting closer with my, my boss at the time who was really enjoying um, basically, you know, our, the sales team and how, and how well we were doing, we were actually doing a little, a little bit better than we were expecting. And they acquired breadcrumb POS. And then I was basically assigned to go sell breadcrumb POS and bread. We call the breadcrumb payments across the U S mostly in um, San Francisco, Chicago, and New York. So I had a lot of experience, you know, selling point of sale. Um, I came from a merchant environment. My dad owned restaurants, my mom owned retail. So I understood the merchant environment. So I had a natural way of, you know, just at least having conversations with merchants and, and understanding the sale. 
But I naturally saw that all these technology companies are changing rapidly and the merchant environment was staying the same. And you were seeing these Square, Revel, um, Toast, all, you know, getting really, um, you know, they're they getting really big, building really big sales teams. And all these merchants were, you know, obtaining this new technology, but they had no way to go implement it for them. They had no way to train them on it and no one to support it. And all these big fintech groups were all like, oh, it's plug and play. You know, I remember hearing Clover say that it's plug and play. You don't need support. And that just wasn't the case for local businesses. Right. So Chip, um, Chip, our founder, Chip Khan, he basically um, found me through my boss and um, he brought this idea where he's like, where his wife was also a merchant. He said, look, he's like, you know, this is never going to, this problem is never going to stop. Um, we should, we should collaborate and, and build a, you know, build something to help local businesses succeed, especially with technology. So we built Boomtown. And the first thing we did with Boomtown is we built a platform where you could dispatch technicians nationwide. We still have that today. And you could outsource support to our team. And it was all, you know, software first. So it was all, you know, more um, tracking KPIs, success metrics, and just making sure that our partners and our merchants had really good visibility. Over time, by about 2017, we built our CXM platform. And that was a customer experience management platform that a lot of large banks, acquirers, um, fintech groups were using to drive a better experience for their customer. So one quick way to you know, um, you know, talk about what that, what that means is when you're a consumer in today's world, you have great experiences, right? You order Domino's, you get the pizza tracker, you see where it is, it arrives, you feel good about it. You order Uber, you know where it is. You know, after the, the ride is done, it says, you know, how was your experience? Rate it. It's why can't merchants have that experience, right? Traditionally, merchants, you know, they buy a terminal from a bank. It arrives. They don't know who sent it to them. They don't know who to call. They call for support. They say, oh, talk to this group called Pfizer. If you're like, who the hell is Pfizer? <laughs> like, who's thesis? Right. You know, that's these poor merchants, <laughs> right? Like, these poor merchants don't know who, what's going on. So we're trying to make it really good visibility for everybody, create a better experience, um, you know, use knowledge and automation to not eliminate human touch, but just get people information, you know, as they need it. And so that's kind of what Boomtown is, uh, is doing today. Yeah. And I really like it too, because it's so interesting. I think everybody that's listening right now can resonate with this problem of, you know, there, if it's an ISO, for instance, the agents don't want to sell point of sale yeah, because not because they don't believe it's the right thing. They all know it's the right thing. Everybody in the industry at this point, I don't think there's anybody out there slinging (laughs) standalone terminals that's saying, this is what I should be doing right now because this is future-proofing my portfolio. Like no one believes that. Right. But why is it that 70% of the sales are still standalone terminals? Maybe it's 60% now, but it's, you know, it's in that range. And the reason is because they don't want to install the point of sale system because it's going to take them a day because they don't know what they're doing. And they know yeah, it's going to absolutely. be a terrible experience for the merchant and, you know, and it's going to take away sales time. So I think I love the fact that you guys um, are basically solving this problem by, by kind of saying to the sales organizations, like, you're not good at this. So why don't you outsource it? <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. Um, so I, I love that. Okay. So, so I want to start by kind of zooming out a little bit here. So mm-hmm. big picture, when we talk about this shift towards integrated payments, meaning, you know, the, uh, the little mom and pop shops, the medium size, you know, even larger merchants, they're all kind of shifting away from just standalone payment processing to a situation where the payment processing is integrated with something, software, point of sale, smart terminal. So as somebody who's on the front lines with this, what are you seeing with that trend? Is it kind of steady? Is it accelerating? Like what, where, where are you seeing this trend right now? Yeah, I'm seeing a few different, a few, a few different trends, but the, the big one I'm seeing is that you have to, especially like post pandemic, you have to switch to at least having smart terminals in your product line and some kind of point of sale. So we'll talk more about how you can do that. But ultimately, you know, merchants are getting more intelligent. They're using digital, um, you know, features to their advantage, whether it be, you know, mobile ordering reservations, online ordering, you know, they're using different mechanisms to drive their business. And 
merchants aren't going to, you know, buy traditional terminals, right? And people are even using cash apps. I think cash apps, you know, that's a, its own conversation can be one of the biggest disturbing, um, you know, factors of the payments industry in the future. Mm-hmm. But ultimately what it comes down to is that you need intelligent terminals to drive a better experience and, and same with point of sale. Now for ISOs, ISOs are better at selling smart terminals. And I've seen that, you know, through, through really just straightforward data, but when it comes to point of sale, you know, it's, it's a mix. They can be good at it. They, they're, they're, some of them are really good at paying attention to the whole process on how you sell point of sale. And some try to throw it in the door and they get upset when the, you know, they don't retain the merchant. Um, so I think yeah. that the shift is there. It's happening um, rapidly with all of our partners. You know, we, we support over a hundred um, ISOs in banks and we're seeing all of these guys shift the, to uh, the, the smart terminal. But ultimately the reason is, is to utilize more features in that ecosystem of third-party products that the merchant is using, right? They right. they can't just go and say, here's a, here's a payment terminal and think they're going to win everyone's business because these merchants are, again, they're using so many different, you know, features and so many different pieces of software. Um, you know, commonly it used to be like just home base, but now it's, you know, home base. Now it's like online ordering. Now it's a, you know, a, a Chowley and then it's a reservation system and they want it all integrated, right? And they want to all be speaking to each other and they want to drive great data to kind of see where they stand, um, you know, after using the terminal. Mm, yeah, I, I really like that. That's a good point. Um, you know, one of the things I think is so interesting that you brought up that I don't know that I've talked about in the podcast before there, when you're in, when you're selling point of sale, there is this risk at the yeah. beginning. Right. And I don't talk about that very much because you know, the truth is, you know, if you go past that and say, okay, once you have a happy merchant with a point of sale system, that's using it, you have a very sticky account. But I think one of the risks is, if you sell somebody a clover to your point and you go with the hands-off approach, um, the odds are you may not actually keep that merchant account for the 30 days. You know what I mean? Oh like my gosh. Gonna, yeah. Right? I, I was almost kicked out of a first data conference because I said clover isn't plug and play. <laughs> 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 I'm like, no, like you go into a deli and you tell the guy like, yeah, you go run your own, your own, um, you know, your, your own cat five cable, you know, to your kitchen printer, they're going to be like, what? No, absolutely not. Like, no, right. like you come install this for me. I'm not doing that. Right. right. And, and even then to me, the idea that you would go to the Clover app market, especially today with how many apps there are yeah. and that you would just, the merchant would select the correct app, put it on there and then understand how that works with the larger ecosystem of Clover yes. and the, and the other three apps they installed. It's like, no, that, that's right. not how that works. So, uh, okay. Yeah, so, all right. So, you know, Let's talk about you know, kind of zooming in a little bit. So there's no secret that our audience, the ISOs and agents, um, have really struggled with this. They've struggled with this process of saying, you know, and, and again, to your point, I think it's more of there are certain ISOs that have kind of adjusted to it mm-hmm. and they are selling smart terminals, integrated payments almost exclusively or for the mm-hmm. for the most part. But then there are other ISOs that are still telling their agents, don't sell point of sale systems or anything like that, because it's going to take time away from prospecting. I mean, literally I've heard this yeah, like in the really. last 12 months mm. at several conferences. Um, so talk to us about how, you know, Boomtown and what you guys are doing. How are you able to help these ISOs and agents that are still stuck in the standalone terminal world? They see the benefit of integrated payments, but they just don't know what to do yet. What should they be doing and how do we kind of solve this problem? Yeah. So there's just two answers here. The first one is a really simple answer where we know we have that smart terminal program, you know, of where you can come pay one minimum with Boomtown and you can sell. Um, there's point, there's swipe simple. There's going to be AV here soon. Advanced mobile payments as our new smart terminal. That's going to have a vivid terminal on that as a, as a new software. And it's great because you pay one minimum and you have someone already supporting it for you. So you don't have to turn around and go build a support team for it. You have sales support, operation support. And that's been a great successful program that I've, I've personally been running um, at the company. The other piece is you gotta 
you really got to take the responsibility of selling POS if you want to sell POS, right? And some of these ISOs do really well at this. Like I have ISOs yeah. who actually are starting to kick butt at selling POS because they build a POS team. And what they admit to themselves is, yes, it's not plug and play. You have to build a process. You have to build a really good customer journey from start to finish, whether it's using a software or using your CRM to basically say, you know, when this customer signs up, they got to feel like they've just invested in something great. They get over-communicated with everything, whether it be, you know, when their training is, when the hardware is going to arrive, they understand what the process is going to look like, you know, and so Boomtown provides the onsite technicians. We provide that software that can help with the customer journey. Um, the onsite technicians from Boomtown can do the, you know, cabling, hardware setup, network setup. And then we have a W2 project manager look over all the technicians. So it's great because we, you know, we'll record everything. We'll basically have all the notes there in our, in our platform. And you can see everything that happened, whether you're super involved or not. But it's just, again, a part of that process. And once they get going, you can't just say, oh, we're only supporting the point of sale. And, and, and merchants, when they call in, they're going to have problems with different features of the point of sale, different parts of that ecosystem, whether it be the network, whether it be the hardware, whether it be the software or a third-party app, maybe they're using on the, on the software as well, right? And if they call your brand and your brand says, oh, sorry, we can't help you, you know, you're not going to sell more to this group, right? If they're not going to go, oh, I want to buy more from you. You're, you're wonderful. Right. They're going to go like, well, that sucks. I just bought from this bank or I just bought from this ISO. And they're telling me that I can't help you. So you need, a good, you need a good knowledge base. It doesn't mean you have to solve everything or be an expert on everything, but you should at least understand, you know, how do I support this and where do I send the merchant in the case that something goes wrong and make it a really good um, handoff. And it's not a, yeah, call this number, good luck. Make sure you're integrated with your ecosystem. Make sure you, you have really good um, communication channels with those third parties that if you're going to take responsibility for driving a POS, you need to work on implementation, activation, and you really need to work on that experience past it. And it's not, it's, it's difficult to set up. But again, once you do that, um, you'll see that it's not hard to retain these merchants and it's not hard to go sell point of sale. Getting in the right. door and actually getting people interested in point of sale from my own experience is actually pretty straightforward. It's pretty easy. Yeah. I, I remember going door to door and, you know, merchants are typically willing to have a conversation with you if, if you catch them at the right time, right? But that's honestly where I see ISOs fail is they just don't take actual responsibility for selling point of sale. Um, smart terminal, you, it is more transactional. You can get away with it. You should still make sure they have a good activation and training. So they understand the full purpose of it and how it works. But, you know, that's just kind of how I look at uh, point of sale in the, in the ISO and in bank community. Can I, can I just, uh, follow up really quick on that? Mm -hmm. Um, so, so you have actually technicians coast to coast, North to South, or, or are they yeah, on so contract or are areas, they W2? Go ahead. Yeah, 1099 technicians. The, okay. the the benefit is that a W2 project manager looks over the whole job. Okay. Um, they've been vetted, background checked. And by now, you know, we started, you know, 2013. You know, we we really have our you know premier technicians. And then we use a few few networks in the case if it's a really remote area. But we can get basically the whole US, you know, same day, next day in metropolitan areas. Yeah, if we're out in El Paso, Texas, or somewhere a little, you know, we have one or two technicians, which means that if there's, you know, they're busy that day, you might not be able to get them until, right. you know, schedule. I say schedule seven days out is, um, you know, anywhere in the nation for for Boomtown. Okay, cool. Um, so let's zero in on the on the small, the local ISO. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they're selling, you know, 10, 20 deals a month, you know, and they want to make that shift to um, selling better solutions. Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you've seen um, these these yeah. <laughs> folks facing and how does Boomtown work with them to overcome yeah, those challenges? I, I see these challenges every day. I actually get, you know, inbound, I probably get two, three small ISOs a day that that hit my email and 
And I'm always trying to help out. But, you know, the one thing I always find so funny is they say, um, you know, I don't want to pay minimums. I don't want to, I don't want to do any of that, but I want to sell these new products. And it's like, well, who are you working with? And they tell me like two, three acquirers. And I'm like, well, what products are they selling? Well, they don't really have products. I'm like, well, then why are you working with these acquirers, right? Like, why aren't you working with acquirers that are providing great products to you and, and helping you? And so I always think that's really funny that, you know, so many of these groups are still working with these traditional acquirers that are so old school. It's like, guys, like there are so many great ISOs out there that have, you know, wonderful solutions. Um, you have, you know, Payrock now that's it's selling Quantic and you have, um, you know, Maverick and, and Vivid. They have a whole, you know, they're selling, you know, three different POS um, three different smart terminals and they have really good support and implementation for it and, and great experience. It's like, why aren't you just looking a little bit outside the borders and saying, you know, these groups are great. They have so many different, you know, capabilities. Why am I stuck with this traditional acquirer? So that's one thing I think people just need to think more holistically about is just who are you working with and, and who could you be working with? Mm -hmm. um, how we help them out is again, that, that smart terminal program where they can come and, you know, a small minimum and, they can sell, you know, multiple products and they don't have to go build a support team behind them or a sales team behind them. We give them the sales support. We, you know, give them what they need. Um, and if they're like a small medium, I saw a lot of those groups will outsource all of their support to us so they can focus on sales retention. And then we do 24 seven white label support, you know, and, and all common products. So if they're selling packs, deja vu, maybe they're selling the swipe simple, you know, smart terminal and, um, you know, maybe they're selling Clover, you know, all ISOs, you know, have a few different gateways, a few different terminals. So we, um, we support over about 40 solutions today from a 24 seven perspective, and that's all onshore. And so that's really great to help them grow. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you know, from there, we have a lot of, uh, of different capabilities, obviously to, to keep them going. Hey, one thing I wanted to interject here. So I want to go back for one second to what you were talking about, of you know, choosing the, the, you know, right acquirer or ISO that has solutions. So one of the other things I think is such an interesting part, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, Joey, is that, Agents don't seem to understand that in this industry, you pay for support through residual. Yeah. Right. So exactly. there's no fee. It's not like, you know, you mentioned like a Payrock or a Vivid, you know, or, or Maverick. It's not like you go to one of these companies and they say, well, yeah, we actually work with Boomtown and we have all these solutions that we support. And so you pay us, you know, yeah, exactly. $500 a month for your, no, it doesn't work like that. It's just that instead of getting a certain residual split, you're going to get maybe 10% less. Like, and so I think it's really important that people, as we're making this shift that we have to understand that, yeah, like if all your acquirer is doing is offering payment processing on standalone terminals, providing horrible support to you and your merchant and doing price increases every six months. Yeah. They can give you a pretty high split because they suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, <laughs> totally. but like, it's they're not going to last forever. They're not offering anything. So it doesn't cost them anything. You're like free, you know, to them from a cash flow perspective. Yeah, it's they like, don't care. Right. Exactly. Whereas when some of these other people, these other companies, when they bring an agent on, it's like, wow, we have somebody else that's going to be selling systems that we have to finance. We have somebody else that's going to be selling systems that we have to pay Boomtown to support. We have yeah. somebody else selling systems. Like <laughs> there are costs associated with this transition to integrated payments. Integrated payments is different. So it's better. It's like massively better in the <laughs> lifetime value. It's like, would you rather get, you know, 80% for 22 months or would yeah. you rather get 70% for 64 months? Great. Right. Mm -hmm. And start at 70% and work your way up. All these guys have exactly. scales, right? But I always right. laugh when someone's like, well, we have a direct relationship with Tesis. It's like, congratulations, you still have no products to sell. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want me to like clap for you. It just sounds like you're still struggling. And I just, I, I don't know. I find it pretty comical because I get it daily. I mean, I literally right. get it daily. 
I introduced mm-hmm. them to other ISOs and they're like, well, I don't want to work with those guys. I already have a relationship with X, Y, and Z and they right. don't provide me any solutions, but I'm right. really dedicated to them. It's like, yeah. what? what are you doing? Like, well, well and, I, and I think to be fair too, I think to be fair too, some of these companies that are higher up, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. Tesis, you know, they're not really designed no. to, to do this. They, now you can process through Tesis, but you probably want to go down one level and find an ISO 100%. that offers Tesis and it provides all the mm-hmm. solutions and support. And I think that's the thing is in this industry, yeah. everybody, it's like a natural thing of like, I got to get to the top rung. I want to yeah. be direct. <laughs> right. It's like, you don't want to be direct unless you've got, you know, unless you're doing 300 deals a month. Totally. And, right. And, and you've they, got and like billions of dollars you, but of They're capital. not going to build a team around you unless you are doing that. They don't, right. it's not like they don't care about you, but again, it's just, it's training. That's not what they do. You know, exactly. Right. right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. right. Anyway, Patty, go ahead. I kind of cut in on your question. Oh, no, no, that's okay. That's okay. Great conversation, <laughs> guys. Because I think that's a really important point. So, and it kind of, it kind of leads into the, to another question I had, which is, you know, as the ISO grows, you know, it becomes a wholesale ISO. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to need uh, to take on a lot more responsibility, you know, in terms of ongoing support um, of resellers, you know, and affiliates and so forth. What are some of the challenges that you see these guys facing, especially in terms of deployment and support as, you know, as they begin, as they continue to scale? Yeah. So like we talked about earlier, they're going to take on more complex products. So they have to provide services to mm-hmm. really, you know, achieve what they want on those products. Um, they want better visibility at that stage too. So, you know, we use our CXM FinTech connectors where we integrate to their, their CRM. So every time they create a merchant, it goes right into our CXM and, and that merchant's automatically supported. It's relevant. It's white labeled. It's not like they're seeing it for the first time. And many of our, you know, mid-sized partners are either outsourcing all their support to us or using our software to support their merchants, right? Because they get that mm-hmm. visibility, they get the integrations to their CRM, they get um, to start building kind of customer journeys. But on that mid-size ISO, like the wholesale ISO, um, you know, they, they are more intelligent, right? They have typically their own native platform or, or they're using like a Salesforce, HubSpot, Iris. And they, they really want to, you know, start driving a better experience on, you know, not just a traditional terminal, but the smart terminal, um, whether it be a gateway merchant and, and the point of sale. But they also, the biggest thing in that stage is they want to drive their brand, right? They really right. want to start yeah. focusing on how do right. I drive my brand? So I want to make sure the whole thing's white labeled from start to finish. And, you know, when they go into the merchant dashboard, that's white labeled. And there's not this like, who am I working with? Because they want to get to that next step. And the only way to do that is drive more, you know, drive more confidence from these merchants in their brand. So, you know, a lot of our partners will also, um, if they have their own proprietary product, which I see a lot of, you know, these groups starting to come out with, um, or they have their own gateway, you know, what they'll typically do is do their own tier one support for that. But the cool thing about Boomtown is you can kind of choose modules of what you want. And maybe they'll outsource all the common products to us. So every single time someone calls in again for a PAX, a Deja Vu, a, a Verifone, you know, it goes right to our team where, you know, their proprietary gate, gateway goes right to their team. And they can use that in their IVR. We can set up different ways to achieve that. But that's, you know, that's a really responsible way now of basically saying, you know, we're still going to sell multiple solutions. We're going to be really good at supporting our proprietary solution or our gateway or our dashboard. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to these common products, Boomtown's going to white label it, and they're you know they're the experts on on supporting that. I, I like cool. that. And, and I like that. Yeah. You know what else is interesting to me about that is it's so funny having this conversation and the kind of the, kind of this progression because ironically at this stage it might make sense to go direct with somebody, right? Because mm-hmm. because now you're providing a lot of times your own support, your own billing, you know, all of that. And so now you do want to get the highest possible financial reward because you're, you're doing all the work. But then the question to me becomes opportunity cost, 
right? Yeah, so sure. do you really want to hire that 70,000 a year employee to just support your Clover devices? <laughs> yeah. Right. I do this math all day for people. And it's sometimes it's funny when it just doesn't make sense for them. They're just like, well, we don't want to pay for support. It's like, well, good luck. <laughs> Go yeah, build a team of five people in the US and see how it goes because right. we'll be a quarter of the cost of that, right? And uh, right. we're 24 seven too. And people don't, you know, they underestimate how, you know, expensive it is to have a 24 seven team, yeah. especially when it's just for your group. We can do it because we're, we're you know, we're, um, we're, you know, we have, let's say, you know, 100 different ISOs and banks and, you know, about, you know, 30 different ISVs using us, right? So, and then we right. have these large acquirers that we'll talk about in, in a little bit, but, you know, they're all utilizing us and they're using us, again, whether it be, just the software, software having to support a few, um, you know, solutions, or actually having to support their full portfolio. And some of these groups, the bigger ones, they'll actually have us do like even customer service for them. Um, so we'll do not just technical support, but customer service. We have, you know, the resources to do it. Of course, it's more expensive, and there's there's right. it's a larger agreement, but you know, there's no limitation of what we can't do. And and you know, we've done everything from rollouts of you know massive you know brands being like 250 location um, QSRs to you know, even just doing installs in stadiums um, to actually supporting, you know, massive brands as well. And, and when these groups bring on massive brands, they don't have the support team to go and, and close them and, and give them confidence. It'll say, hey, we have Boomtown, they have this national presence and they have support 24 seven and they're experts on X, Y, and Z. Here's how they can, you know, support right. you. And so we help them actually close large brands, which is pretty cool, right? Yeah. And that's been, uh, we did that with a large POS recently. And that, that was, um, you know, that, that's great to see. Yeah, I had a I had an interesting debate. Actually, I just remembered it. You would have probably enjoyed the other day because I brought up Boomtown. But I was talking to a, a wholesale ISO. Well, they're they're in the process of becoming a wholesale ISO, and I was talking to them about this issue. And um, and they're like, "Yeah, we're going to build out. You know, we have we have you know we got investors. We're going to build out support. Da 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 da." And I was like, "Why are you going to do that? Like, yeah. why wouldn't you outsource this?" And they're like, so "No, no, no, no. like, <laughs> yeah." And they're like, "The whole reason that that we did all this is to is to have con- complete control." of the experience. And I said, well, why does that matter if you have complete control, if you do a bad job? Right. Yeah. That's such a good point. I love that. Like all of a sudden. And they always say, oh no, no, our customer service is so good. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, customer service is customer service. Like we really focus heavily on, again, those success metrics, those KPIs and and helping people improve their MPS score. It's one of the first questions we ask, you know, what's your MPS score? Let's get to the next step. Um, But the, the truth is, it's just like, at the end of the day, it's super expensive. So I understand oh, yeah. you want to build your own support team for your own proprietary product. I actually have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Especially if you're maybe just doing tier one or tier two. But when you were like, I want to go support the entire ecosystem of a merchant's um, you know, technology suite and layout. And I want to support you know three different terminals that aren't ours, two different gateways and a point of sale. And if you want to go do that and, you, and your investors are happy with that, it's their money. Good luck. Yeah, <laughs> I'm right. not gonna. I'm not yeah. gonna invest in you. Because it's. I mean, <laughs> right. it's insane the amount of variation. If you just say like, totally. Yeah. You know, if you just say we're gonna offer Zusa, Clover, and Quantic. Yeah. Good. Good luck. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I mean, you're gonna need 17 people. Like, it's crazy. Like, and there's a. They, I was sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. That. I was just saying. And then it's always funny because then they email me when something goes wrong, as if like we have this relationship because we talked about support once. Like, hey, 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 Joey, I got a clover merchant. I need some help right now. It's like I can't tell you. Well, I can't really say what I want to say to you, but good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, bud. I feel great. Good luck with your clover merchant. You know, it's. Well, let's let's touch real quick on the on the big ones. You've kind of kind of already alluded to yeah. it, but the enterprise level. You know, you talked about you know Payrox and these others that are obviously really really large. They're doing fifty yeah. billion a year, that kind of thing. 
Um, talk a little bit about that. How do you work with them? What are the kind of the differences or challenges they face? Yeah, so some of them you will utilize our, our services. You know, they'll they'll outsource some support to us, especially for what I talked about, like the common products. But groups like Fortis, um, Paya, Stacks, Merchant E, uh, Rectangle Health, like these large groups that are, you know, some of them are public companies. Um, right. They're using our software. So what they have decided is, you know, they they probably already have a team, and again, they'll utilize some of our team, but they're focused on customer journey. So they're they're taking it the next the next step. They want to be a big brand. They have a lot of complexity with the different products they have. They have many different channels because they're obviously typically usually acquiring a bunch of groups mm-hmm. and they're bringing these brands together and they want visibility in every brand and they want, you know, connectors to every CRM. So it's a project, but we have this whole boarding and success team that basically help them map out, you know, how they can, you know, achieve their, their goals and, and um, you know, really drive their brand against all the, the groups that they've acquired and, and just organize the chaos. Right. And so our CXM is really good for that. Like let's make a unified customer journey that, if someone signs up, like if you're still working with maybe TSIS and Pfizer and, and WorldPay, but if someone signs up, it's the same journey every single time. It's not this like, right. I have to go and like, oh, wait, 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 guys, that's a, that's a WorldPay merchant. Make sure they do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Or that's a that's a Pfizer merchant. Make sure they do this, this, and this. It's the same journey every time. And when they get support, it feels like the same journey. The The branding is, is all there. And that's what we really focus on with those acquiring groups. And we do it with a lot of banks too, like uh, KeyBank and um, a lot of you know these large commercial banks. Yeah. Um, we help them achieve the same thing because they know that if you're going to compete against, again, what's coming down the road, right? The, the, the squares, the PayPal's, the, the SoFi's, like these big fintech groups that are all working with, you know, you got Citibank working, I think it's with Google and you got all these different groups. Like they're, they're, they're coming up with their own plan, right? And right. whether you think they're coming for you or not, they're definitely coming for your merchant. Don't, you know, right. <laughs> don't think for one, mer- one for one second, Apple's not doing the same thing. So these groups know that they're intelligent enough to know that. So they're really building out, um, a good action plan on how they're going to compete and how they're going to stay relevant and just drive great experiences. Love it. Love it. Well, Joey, I'm sure we could keep going here for another hour. I have a lot more things we could talk about, but uh, we'll save that for another episode. Uh, This has been so interesting. uh, So much insight. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to want to reach out. Uh, Where would you send them to learn more about Boomtown? Um, If you're looking for more of the service side, go to, you know, just just email me, which I just do joey at goboomtown.com. Same with the smart terminals. If you have any questions or you, you, just need some advice on where you maybe stand in that the whole payments world or, or how I can help. Very happy to help. Um, I do it daily for a lot of groups. And then if you're, you're interested in our software, definitely check out our website, go, go boomtown.com. And then you'll see our whole CXM platform and, and how that works. You can reach out to the website or just email me again at uh, joey at go boomtown.com. But awesome. uh, James, thanks so much. And, and Patty, this has been great. Love always catching up with you guys. It's been too long. And uh, you know, I really yeah. appreciate you having me. Hey, it was great talking with you. You learned a lot, actually. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Joey. So, Patty, I'm super excited today to announce our new sponsor. I guess I should say our returning sponsor. Returning, uh, correct. Which is Mm -hmm. NMI.com. However, NMI also, of course, now owns Iris, which is the leading CRM. Right. So our audience, you're going to be getting a real treat here over the next you know, year as we work with the sponsor to educate you on NMI and what they're doing and Iris and what they are doing. Yeah. So let me, yeah. I just want to give everybody you know, really high level today okay. of both companies and then give you the URLs. Go check them out if you haven't already. Okay. NMI is the leading gateway provider that is white labeled meaning your brand is what's promoted to the merchant. So you're kind of building out your own gateway solution by not building a gateway. You just use NMIs and brand right. it. Um, and uh, they are processor agnostic. 
Right. So most of you listening to this podcast right now, you may or may not realize it, but you probably have the ability to offer NMI. So mm -hmm. talk to your ISO, talk to your acquirer, find out if they offer NMI. If not, tell them why not get them to offer NMI because there are a lot of merchants out there that are doing recurring billing that need yes. a virtual terminal, card not present, email invoicing, all of these things, um, even trying to uh, go after technology companies that need a gateway to integrate with your solution. Um, NMI is really just the un, you know undisputed leader in this particular market. So um, NMI.com is the website to go to for NMI. Right. Uh, we'll have our own little link next week, but I want to give you just a regular one today. So go to NMI, Nancy, Mary, Indigo, NMI.com and check them out. Then NMI recently acquired Iris. Big, big news there. Big news. And Iris is actually one of my personal kind of favorite uh, companies out there. I've done a lot of work with them. I've integrated our statement analysis service into it. Mm -hmm. So what is Iris? Well, Iris is the leading CRM or customer relationship management software right. for the payment processing industry. And they handle things like billing where you can give your, your merchants a branded dashboard. They handle residuals where you can do residual reporting for your agents. Mm -hmm. um, they do lead management. So if you're thinking, you know, we're thinking about going Salesforce, we're thinking about going Zoho, we're thinking about doing this or that, don't do that right. until you check out Iris because in my experience, the cost is going to be pretty similar, but the difference is it's been built specifically for our industry. For our industry. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's massive, massive. Like they have so many companies that work with them. Um, I would really encourage you if you haven't done so already, even if you have a small ISO, you're saying, you know, I talked to somebody the other day. Uh, actually, no, no, I didn't talk to him. It was, uh, uh, it was Jerron actually in our Facebook group. Okay. Made a post, maybe it was him. I can't remember, but made a post there. And he, you know, he has a, a few employees and agents and he said something to the effect of, wow, the Iris CRM is an investment, but I'll tell you what, it sure is worth it. You know? And mm -hmm. the idea is it's like, you know, when you make an investment in software like that, it is incredible talking about opportunity cost in this episode. Right. So we're about to talk about that right after this commercial. So you really, really, really need to think about something like an iris to help you with opportunity cost. Um, they again, processor agnostic, so they can automatically pull in residual data, merchant mm -hmm. data, volume data. Uh, it's just amazing all the things that they can do. Everything um, at your fingertips on, this, on one dashboard. Right. And of course, yeah. the main reason people go with Iris these days, Patty, is because it's integrated with getisoamp.com. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you want to do statement analysis, there you go. Getisoamp.com. I'll put my plug in there as well. But anyway, go to iriscrm.com. So it's I-R-I-S-C-R-M.com. Yeah. All one word there, I-R-I-S-C-R-M, iriscrm.com. Um, click on schedule a demo or watch their video. Uh, but I love their, they have the perfect visual on their homepage. I'm looking at it right now. I just uh, yeah, I want to pull it up. Um, but it kind of shows Iris CRM and NMI company in the middle. And uh -huh. then around it, you have Pfizer, PaySafe, Priority, WorldPay, Elevon, Tesis, all feeding all data in. All the big ones feeding in. Yeah, cool. and of course, there's many, many more, but but that's an interesting kind of graphic of what they right. do is that they, they pull data in from all these companies automatically so that you just get to benefit from all this data and so do your merchants. So, and it's so much easier than trying to do your own CRM. I mean, oh, oh it's yeah. And I mean, again, even even if you go say Salesforce or something else, you still have to set up all these integrations. It's right, a pain in right. the neck. Um, so and, again, and, opportunity and, cost. And, and your point, to, and, and your point that it's you know something that's built for this industry. Exactly. Exactly. You know, Salesforce is used by so many different industries. It it's sort of like you know, um, it's you know, it's a it's a nice universal piece, but right. 
for, for industries that don't necessarily have their own CRM right. solution. Right. But um, Iris is the optimum solution for, for um, our industry, it is. I believe. It is. So Patty and I are very excited. We appreciate all of yes, you that are. are listening, uh, loyally listening every week. You are the reason we're able to get these top brands to sponsor us. Yes. Um, these are really two of just the top processor agnostic brands in the in the uh, industry, um, Iris and NMI. And of course, now they've joined forces. So uh, that's our sponsor. Uh, definitely go to NMI.com and IrisCRM.com. Check out both companies. If you're not working with them, maybe you have them available, but you're not really leveraging them to the full extent. Take some time to do that. Make sure and reach out to them and say, hey, I heard about you on the Merchant Sales Podcast. We would appreciate that. Uh, so again, thank you so much to our sponsors. We appreciate them and we appreciate you for listening. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. Hey, everybody. So today in Questions from the Field, I want to kind of continue the conversation a little bit that we just had with Joey, but I want to talk about opportunity cost. Um, okay. Because this is something that I think about so much. And I, I really believe it's one of the most difficult things for especially the individual agent that's starting to scale up to understand. Okay. Yeah, so, sure. So here, here's what you have to do. Let's say you're an individual agent, you know, you're bringing in, you know, 5,000 a month, 10,000 a month, 15,000 a month, whatever it is. In your mind, when you think about your time and when you think about your mental energy, your emotional energy, and you know, kind of what you what you do with your day, it all kind of blends together. Sure. Meaning you feel like there's this thing I do and it makes me 15,000 a month. Right. Well, that's not true. Okay. There's actually very few things that you do that make you $15,000 a month. Okay. In actuality, there are different things that you're doing that are impacting your income and your results in different ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are things that you do that are more valuable or more differentiated than others, right? right. So think of, it, think of it in this way. If I had to hire somebody to do everything that I do and I was going to leave on vacation for three months and when I got back, I want my portfolio to have grown, right? Uh -huh. How much would that cost? Well. Probably a hundred for the labor. Well, it probably cost you 150,000 a year to find somebody that could jump in and do that. Sure. I mean, you, literally, you have to find another merchant services sales professional. That's just as good as you hire them and get them to stop doing what they're doing to come work for you. Right. That would be very hard. Right. Very hard. So, but when you, then when you break it down and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. So I'm actually doing a lot of different things. One of the things that I do is I install credit card machines and point of sale systems. Mm-hmm. Now, how much would it cost to get that outsourced, right? Well, right. you have Boomtown if you're a little bit bigger or your you know, ISO provides that. But you could say, well, if I went to my local computer shop and I visited all my local computer shops and said, hey, would you like some extra work, <clears throat> right? Well, mm -hmm. maybe for $30 an hour, maybe they would go ahead and do my installation. So now the question becomes, is there something else that you could do with that time that's more valuable than $30 an hour? Right. 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 Then you talk about customer support. You talk about 
setting up your schedule, right? All these different various things. And as you break down what you do, which I'm going to give you a specific tip in a second of how to do that, you're going to start to realize, wait a second, actually, the only thing I do that really matters is closing people. You know, yes, right. Um, that's and, where the money comes from. Right. And it's, it's not that that's the only thing that matters. I'm saying it's the only thing you do that matters. Right. Somebody has to do it because it does matter, mm-hmm. but not you. Mm-hmm. And when you realize that as an entrepreneur and you change from being a sales representative to an entrepreneur, if you, if you ask, you know, people say, what's an entrepreneur, you know, here I have four businesses, uh, you know, plotting the fifth one right now, you know, um, well, you know, what's an entrepreneur? And most people will say it's a risk taker and eh, wrong entrepreneurs hate risk. I hate risk with a passion, right? Okay? So Entrepre- <laughs> yeah. you know, entrepreneurs are all about risk avoidance. We spend mm-hmm. our life surviving, you right. know what I mean? Right. And making sure that we don't die and our businesses don't die as a result of all these things that we're doing. So it's not about that. It's about opportunity cost. It is about an entrepreneur that's growing is ruthless and relentless at looking at every second of their day mm-hmm. and saying, what is the opportunity cost? In other words, anything you're doing, you could be doing something else. Right. And how much more is that? What's the return on that other thing going to be? Exactly. So the opportunity cost is whatever you're doing, if there's something else you could be doing that would be making you more money or more productive or Mm -hmm. better relationships or whatever it is in, in any area of your life, that is a cost to you. That's a kind of a behind the scenes cost. Most sales representatives I talk to have millions of dollars in opportunity cost. And what I mean by that is they are, you know, I talk to these agents that are so good at closing merchant accounts, right? They spend 80% or 90% of their time not closing merchant accounts. Really? That much? Absolutely. Because they spend so much time on admin. They spend so much time being unproductive because they don't have anybody doing their schedule. Mm -hmm. And they're, and you know, let's face it. If you're a top salesperson and you're good at doing your own schedule, God bless you. Um, I don't. I don't know what kind of DNA you got, but just know that you're like you're like a unicorn. Okay, I'm a I'm a really good sales representative. And if I didn't have somebody doing, I actually have two people now that do my schedule. If I did not have people doing my schedule, I don't really know what I would get done. I probably just wander around the office all day talking to people, or I don't know, learning something new, reading a book. Like mm-hmm. that's what I would do. Mm-hmm. But instead, I have to be intentional and say, wait a second, what do I want to accomplish with my day? And I know I'm not going to take the time to break that down into a schedule, right? right? And so I have, you know, Angela and Khalil right now that work with me on that, on my team. And it's like, you know, when I start my day out, it's like, I have my schedule. I know exactly what I'm doing for my day. I know exactly how my time is being split up. So you need these people. You know, if you're a salesperson and you're, even if you're still cold calling, right? Now, this one's a little tricky because some of you are so good at cold calling that it does actually make sense to continue. But understand the idea of, you know, filtering and finding people who are interested is something you can outsource. Um, mm-hmm. At the peak when I was selling, I actually, uh, at one point I had three people who one of them was on the phone, two of them went in the field and I gave them this kind of survey pitch and they would go out and just do like a survey. Hey, I'm, you know, uh, I'm with James Shepard. He's got a local office in town here. Had a, just a quick 60 second survey for you to see if there'd be something we could work together on. Do you have 60 seconds? And they would do this survey. And at the end, if the person answered the questions the way I wanted, They'd say, great. Well, you know, I don't know if you know James. He's really well respected in the community. Been doing this for a long time, blah, 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 blah. Um, Here's some information on him. I know he would love to swing by and just spend 15 minutes to get to know you. What's a good time? And they were just setting up these things for me. 
right? Wow. Yeah, um, cool. And then I'd have the person on the phone call back and confirm the appointment and all that. Right. And, and so, you know, all of a sudden selling 20 accounts a month, which to, which to most agents sounds, honestly sounds like insane, ridiculous idea. Because they're like, what? what do you mean I closed four or five? But think about this. If the only thing, like imagine if you, if this is your day, imagine if you woke up in the morning by nine o'clock, you were sitting in front of a qualified merchant who was expecting you to arrive. Mm-hmm. And imagine if you did that every day for three to four hours, yeah. back to back to back to back to back. Do you think you could sell one of them? If you could, that's 20 a month. And that's why I was doing 20 to 30 a month really consistently, because that's what I did every day. I was going out, I'm having three, four, five solid meetings. I'm sitting down because I'd outsource the prospecting. Right, right. Right. So anyway, yeah. really quickly, let me give you the tip on it. Here's what you need to do. Okay. Step number one, track your time for one week. Mm-hmm. Track your time for one week. Carry a little notebook with you. Use your phone. There's tons of apps you can do this on. Just every hour, look back and put a thing in there. How many minutes did you spend on everything? Um, it's not exactly as much about which exact time. It's about the number of minutes you spent. Right, on right. At the end of the week, total it up and see how you're spending your time. How much time are you spending? prospecting, how much time are you spending closing? How much time are you spending installing admin? How much time are you spending watching Netflix? How much time are you spending one-on-one with your children? How much time are you spending one-on-one with your spouse? Uh-huh. Right? So break these things down. How much time are you spending on your church or nonprofit or whatever else you're passionate about your, your bowling league, right? And look at this list and just kind of ask yourself, okay, is this really, does this accurately represent what I think is important? And then secondly, ask yourself, when I look at any of these things that I did, is there an opportunity cost? Meaning, is there something else I should have been doing with that time mm-hmm. that would have been more productive? And then once that's done, then you know what you're doing, write your list of what you're doing, and then rank each item based on two criteria. Are you good at it? Meaning, are you great at it? Like, right, is right. this a core competency? You're really, really good at doing your schedule. You're fantastic at prospecting. You know, you're a, a tech wizard at installing whatever. Are you great at it, right? And do you like it? Mm-hmm. And when you delegate, don't worry about if you like it. Start with the things you're not great at and delegate those. Then when you delegate the things you're worst at, you know, then look at the things you're pretty good at, but you don't really like doing it. Then you delegate for more just personal enjoyment to say, I don't really want to do that anymore. As an example, I did my own taxes for my business for like the first four or five years. Right. I'm really good at doing taxes. I absolutely hate it. Right. Um, Same here. Same here. I now have someone else that does that for me because I don't like to do it. So you get the idea. I so, did that a few years ago. It was like, wait a minute, I'm spending all this time. Right. I love doing it, but right. I'm spending so much time where I could be making money. There you go. Why am I doing that? There you go. Opportunity cost, right? Yep. So there you go. There's my uh, my tip for the day. Great. Thanks, James. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Well, to the growing number of companies offering buy now, pay later, you can add Apple. Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. Apple Pay Later, it's called. It's among the latest features to, to the latest um, iPhone that they just released. Yep. Um, it allows consumers to spread out the cost of purchases for equal payments over six weeks with zero interest, no fees, which is the standard sort of buy now, pay later um, approach. Right. Um, and it's interesting, though, because within days of Apple's buy now, pay later news, 
PayPal announced its latest BNPL plan. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Right? Yep. PayPal pay monthly. Obviously, you the terms, you know, uh, include monthly payments. It's for purchases between 200 and 10,000. Um and the terms range between uh, six and 24 months. Okay. Average, the annual percentage rate ranges from zero to 22.99. Wow. Yeah. I was shocked at that. I was really, I mean, that's, you might yeah. as well use your credit card. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so with just a little, little background worldwide, um, buy now, pay later sales totaled about 120 billion last year according to the research firm Global Data. And it's projected to reach 214 billion this year, 300 billion next year. And I think those numbers are probably soft because- I think so too. At the time that those were made, I doubt Apple had rolled theirs out. And that was exactly what I was gonna say because yeah. that data was probably, I mean, I it was published this month, this month being June. Right. Um, but you know that they had to do all the analysis you know, for months before that. So it's probably based on 2021 data. Right. right. Um, but here's another interesting thing. It's a new report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, um, which suggests that although buy now, pay later is gaining steam, um, uses is, quote, largely experimental, which I can kind of go, I can kind of see that. I mean, okay. I know people that are using it and they're just kind of using it to see how it works. You know, I yeah. mean, I could see that. Um they did a survey of just over 2,000 people. It was fielded late last year. They found about one in uh, about three in 10, 31% had conducted one or more buy now, pay later transactions over the previous 12 months. By comparison, 92.2% had used credit cards and 87% had used debit cards in the previous 12 months. Right. Um, buy now, pay later um, users, um, though, were less satisfied than credit card and debit card users. Yeah. And um, even those reporting um, using P2P payments for merchants were more right. satisfied. Just over two thirds of buy now pay later users reported high satisfaction with the product compared to 81% of credit card users, 75% and 75% of uh, debit and P2P users <coughs> who reported high satisfaction. Um, and only about half of the buy now, pay later users said they were likely to use the product in the future. Mm -hmm. A couple other statistics. The Philadelphia Fed survey suggests buy now, pay later is especially popular among lower income consumers, those earning less than 75,000. Um, separately, last night I was just tooling around. Of course, I always am yeah. online looking for interesting data and, yeah. and reports. Sure. Um, Harvard Business School did a study, Yeah, found 57% of buy now, pay later borrowers earn less than 50 grand. Mm -hmm. And that same study revealed that one in three buy now, pay later customers have fallen behind on at least one payment. Yeah. So it's, this is just a little quote from the Harvard study. The size and rapid growth of the buy now, pay later market. And the fact that buy now, pay later has not yet gone through a credit cycle makes some oversight all the more important to prevent a mini crisis, especially in such an uncertain economic environment. 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah, interesting. And I should I should add here that I also found that in the UK they've just uh, proposed rules on buy now pay later. You know, requiring certain disclosures, how it can be advertised, et cetera, which is kind of sort of what the C- CFPB is here in the U.S. Right. Has been inferring, although they haven't done it yet. So one of the things I'm really curious about, Patty, you may probably don't know the answer to this yet. I, I wasn't able to quite figure it out. So the way Apple is doing their buy now, pay later is through kind of Apple Pay. Right. That same experience, I guess. Right. Right. And same. it's kind of like a, a different payment method, I guess. Right. Right. But my question is to our industry, what does that mean exactly? You know, in other words, if if a merchant's processing $100 through Apple Pay right now, I know I'm going to get my same residual. There's interchange, there's markup, there's, you know what I mean? Right, right. What is their buy now pay later exactly? Is it going to, is it the same way? Is it taking revenue away from our industry? I wasn't quite clear on exactly how that would work. Yeah, my feeling is, is that it's not necessarily taking money away from our industry. My feeling is and just in reading their blog post and so yeah, forth, yeah, is that it's really sort of an add-on for people who are already using Apple Pay. Well, right. But what I'm so, saying is, it's it's interesting though because because with Apple Pay, you know, the way it actually works behind the scenes is that, you know, when when okay, let's say for me, Apple Pay, I have my Capital One Mastercard attached okay. to Apple Pay, right? Right. Well, when I go and use Apple Pay at a merchant location, when that merchant gets their statement, the interchange table is going to say MasterCard, whatever. It's not going to say Apple Pay. Apple True. Pay Apple True. Pay is just a, a technology. I, that see what you're, I see what you're saying now. Is that, yeah. So if yeah, it's I buy don't... now, pay later, what does that mean? How does that show up on the statement? Does it, because I'm sure that they it's want gonna show broad up, I think acceptance. I think it's going to show up as a MasterCard transaction though, because they said that they're going to be um, processing through the MasterCard network. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes. Okay, that, they so will that answers be processing the question through then. the MasterCard network. Okay, so then they'll probably do, there's different interchange types that they could use for that. Yes. But that's probably what's going to happen. Okay, well, that answers yeah. my question. I was just curious. And I mean, yeah. if that's the case, that could that actually could end up being a big positive for merchants. Agreed. Because they would get all the revenue up front, and then right. Apple would be responsible for collecting it down the road. So that, that could work. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious about that. So that makes, hopefully, that, hopefully that's the case. Maybe we'll do a little more research on that. No, we'll definitely it. do some more yeah. research, but I did in the analysis, you know, in their blog post, yeah. they did, they did note the master network. Okay. I so. didn't see that. That's, that's yeah. good to know then. So that'll be, that'll, maybe that'll be a big, I was just hoping it wasn't going to be a negative, but that's good. Maybe it'll be actually a positive. So, yeah. Okay. A, a positive or a wash, right? Or a wash, right. 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 Good stuff, Patty. Well, thanks, thanks. for keeping us up to, up to date on that stuff. Sure thing, James. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.